Moses is saying, but I'm not strong. And God is saying, I am. But I'm not educated. And God is saying, I am. But I'm not talented. And God is saying, I am. But I'm not rich. And God is saying, I am. Listen, if God tells you to do something, you can do it. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter number 4. Exodus chapter 4. And uh, please follow along as I begin reading in verse number 1. Exodus 4 verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And that's the text or the title of the message in Sunday school hour. What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it up by the tail. He put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word and to preach. It's always such an honor. And I pray, Lord, that today you would speak to hearts. We've gathered here to, to celebrate an anniversary service, but we've also gathered here to hear from heaven. And I pray today our time would not be wasted, but that your spirit would meet with us. Thank you for blessing in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. I learned a long time ago that God's ways are not our ways. We think differently than God thinks. We are human. He is divine. God is eternal. And uh, we are not. And we're always trying, we're always busy trying to reconcile the ways of God with our ways. When COVID hit, some people are saying, why does God allow this? Why does one person get sick and not another? We're trying to figure out what God's doing. And that often happens with sickness. We had a, in our church a, a lovely Filipino lady that died with COVID uh, last spring, and she was 92 years old. And when COVID hit, she stayed in her apartment. She was afraid to go out anywhere, and her family would come and see her. And uh, uh, but one day, one of her family members came to visit her, a granddaughter, and unknowingly brought in COVID. And grandma caught it and only lived a couple weeks after getting the COVID. You say, why? That she was being so careful. Why would God allow that to happen? All I can say is God, God's ways are not rational to us. And that's because our, our thinking is is humanistic. No matter how you've been educated or where you've been educated, I can tell you that you think in a humanistic way. The education system is, is humanistic. Uh, a biblical example is that this is in 1 Samuel 16. You don't need to turn there. But that's a story where Samuel was to go and anoint the future king. And uh, uh, he sent him to the, God sent Samuel to the home of Jesse. And Jesse had sons and and it lived in Bethlehem. And uh, he said, uh, he, he let Jesse know that he needed to see his sons. And 
So he, Jesse called his sons from the oldest on down. And it's each one came, uh, they, they were eliminated. He saw Eliab. He was tall, handsome, brilliant. And no doubt Samuel would have thought, this surely this man must be the one that God has chosen to be the future king. But God said, no, it's not that one, and it's not that one, and it's not that one. And finally, the sons were all gone through, and, and Samuel said, well, do you not have any other sons? He said, yeah, we just have little David out there. He's tending the sheep. And he said, call him in. And he brought him in, and God found his man. Why? Because the Bible tells us God sees the heart. He doesn't look on the exterior. He doesn't pick out the most beautiful people. He doesn't pick out the most talented people. He picks out the people that have a right heart. And he found in David a man after his own heart. And so God chose David to be the one to be anointed. You know, that's an awesome thought, isn't it? God knows the heart. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. And that's a convicting thing to me. We can fool other people, but we can't fool God. He knows our heart. And Samuel would have no doubt chosen Eliab, but God chose according to the heart, not according to appearance. We look at talents. We say, oh boy, if that person just got saved, look at how talented they are. God could certainly use them. Many great servants of God would have been overlooked had God used that criterion. But God saw something in David which, which man did not see. Go with me quickly over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And go down to verse 27. Let's go back to verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, now that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God hath chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Why? Tells us in the next verse that no flesh should glory in his presence. God wants to use you and he wants to use me. Both secular and, and uh, Christian history are filled with cases that prove these verses. How God has taken someone who's weak and he's given them strength. How God has taken someone who's uneducated, and use them. Uh, over the years, I've been honored twice with honorary doctorates. Now, that's not because I'm anything special. And uh, I like what one preacher said one time about an honorary doctorate. He said, it's kind of like the curl on a pig's tail. It looks kind of pretty, but it doesn't add any meat to the pig. And uh, that's kind of what an honorary doctorate's like. It looks kind of pretty, but it doesn't add anything special uh, to the person. Uh, in our text that we read a few moments ago, God is sending Moses 
to go back into Egypt and deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. And 40 years earlier, I think God wanted Moses to do that. But Moses didn't do it. Matter of fact, 40 years earlier, Moses killed a man. And he had to flee from the presence of Pharaoh. And he ended up for 40 years at the backside of the desert. And uh, uh, God had to give him an education. It took Moses 40 years to learn what God wanted him to learn. And uh, Moses was a man who, who had everything going for him. You remember Moses? His mother had put him in the bulrushes. The daughter of Pharaoh came along and found him. And you ladies know how it is when you look at a baby. Her heart melted and said, oh, I want to take this baby home. And she did. And he was raised in Pharaoh's home. Now, at that time, Egypt was the strongest nation on earth. That means he got the best education. He had everything that that nation had to offer. He had wealth. He had uh, position. He had all of those things. And he was raised in the home of Pharaoh. And at 40 years of age, it would have been an ideal time for Moses to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. But he ended up losing his temper and killing a man. And he had to flee out into the desert. Now, why didn't God use Moses at, at 40? Well, I think the Bible gives us a few hints. I think, first of all, he was very impatient. He didn't, didn't want to wait upon the Lord. He was like we are sometimes. Lord, give me patience, but please hurry up. And that's kind of how Moses was. And uh, patience comes, however, through tribulation. If you want patience and you pray for patience, what you're really praying for is trouble. You want to get some trouble so that you can learn patience. So you've got to be careful if you're praying for patience. But Moses had been impatient and he'd been hot-tempered. He had what we would call a short fuse. Now, you know what a short fuse is. And if you ever had a firecracker, you go to light that firecracker and it's got a short fuse and blows up. It can injure you. And... Uh, do a lot of damage. Or we also use the term flying off the handle. Now that's a logger's term. Uh, loggers would use their axe out in the bush chopping wood, chopping trees, and if the handle wasn't attached property, properly, that, that, that head could go off and go flying, could do a lot of damage and hurt somebody. And uh, that's what happens with some people. They fly off the handle, and their words can hurt people. Well, Moses was that kind of a guy. He was hot-tempered. And God didn't use Moses at 40 years of age because Moses was also very self-willed. When he needed something done, he just did it. He didn't pray about it. He just used his human effort. He didn't need God's help. He had everything he needed. He would just go and take care of it all by himself. And the end result was God did not use Moses when Moses was 40 years of age. So he was sent to the university of the backside of the desert. And there on the backside of the desert, God educated Moses. You ever wonder why did it take 40 years for Moses to learn the lessons that he needed to learn? Well, some of us are just slow learners, aren't we? And God has to keep sending us the lessons until we finally learn them. And uh, may I encourage you to not uh, not get impatient with training time. I can remember when I was in Bible college that I got a burden about 
uh, the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, man, I believe Jesus is going to come any time. I might as well quit college and get out there now and, and get working and get serving the Lord. Well, that was back, my friends, about 1970. And uh, the Lord still has not come. I'm still looking for him. I'm still expecting him at any time. As a matter of fact, I haven't even bought a burial plot because I don't like to waste money. I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. And uh, so I'm looking for the rapture of the church. But Moses uh, uh, maybe thought he was wasting his time out there on the backside of the desert. Preparation time is not wasted time. Prepare the way God wants you to prepare. Go through that training time. Don't despise when God does not use you. When you think he should use you, uh, wait on the Lord. Well, go back there to Exodus and uh, look at uh, chapter 3 quickly. Here's some things God was teaching Moses on the backside of the desert. Look at, uh, at verse number 11. This is the, the burning bush experience. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go on to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, he said, I'm nobody. So you see what he learned on the backside of the desert? Before, 40 years earlier, Moses was the guy that said, Yes, God, you've chosen the right guy. You're, I'm, I'm the guy that can deliver the children of Israel. I can do it. Don't need any help. I can take care of it all. But over 40 years, he had become humbled. Now he's saying, who am I? And that humility is extremely important if God is going to use us. And uh, this burning bush experience was very unusual. And uh, Moses had, had turned aside from what he was doing because he saw that bush burning and this was... It wasn't consumed, and this was very unusual, and uh, he was shocked by that. And out of that bush, God spoke to Moses. Moses, Moses, I hope when you read the Bible, you put yourself into these situations. Now, he is out there in the desert and probably didn't see all that many people or hear that many voices, but now he's got a bush speaking to him. Maybe he thought he was going crazy. But he knew right away that this was God's voice. Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Back in, uh, in verse number, number four of chapter three, Moses said, here am I. And so he's now 80 years of age. And uh, I think that God is saying, Moses, I'm giving you your final exam now. You're finished with the backside of the desert, university of the backside of the desert. And I'm giving you your final exams. Going to see whether or not you pass the test. Now, 40 years before, as I said, he would have said, you've chosen the right one. I'm educated. I'm strong. I'm wealthy. I can do the job. But now notice verse 11. Who am I? Why would you call me? Why would I be used by you? And God never answered that question. Who am I? Because you know what? It didn't matter who Moses was. It mattered who God was. 
And that's the important thing in our lives as well. It doesn't matter who we are. It matters who our God is. And notice the verse number 12 there in chapter 3. And he said, this is, is God. Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. Uh, and as thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, and ye shall serve God upon this mountain. In other words, I will be with thee. You know, that's all we need in life, that God is with us, that God will help us, that God will strengthen us. And, and over the 22 years of this church, that's the important thing. Is it God's work? If it is, God will bless it. Certainly, I will be with thee. And, uh, uh, and God just gave it that wonderful promise. You see, it matters little who I am. And it matters little who you are. But everything is totally dependent upon the power and the presence of Almighty God in your life. He makes the difference. Oh, I like these verses. Look at verse number 13. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, they shall say unto them, uh, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. They shall say unto me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? Now think about this. It had been 40 years since the children of Israel in Egypt had seen Moses. A whole generation had passed. Think of what you were doing 40 years ago, if you can think back that far. Moses was a stranger to most of them. And so they said, he said, they're going to ask me some questions. They're going to say, God has sent you. Can you tell us? What is your God's name? You see, Egypt had a whole bunch of gods. They had frog gods and river gods and all kinds of gods. And they're going to say, what is your God's name? Oh, I like this next verse. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said unto the children, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. I am. Now, after getting the promise that God would be with him, God just told him, my name's I am. You might think, what kind of a name is that? God was revealing himself to Moses. Uh, this does not, uh, is not simply a God. This is not like the gods of the Egyptians. But he's saying, I am. I'm the God of the past. I'm the God of the present. I am the God of the future. I am the ever-present, eternal God, self-existing. I don't need anything to empower me. I don't need anything to help me to exist. Uh, I have all knowledge. I'm everywhere. I am the true and the living God. God's name is I Am. I remember a number of years ago when Molson Beer Company came out with a new slogan, and that new slogan said, I Am. Oh, that bothered me. I wrote a letter to the company and said, that's blasphemous. You're taking the name of God and associating that with your beer. God's name is one that wants to help us. Your beer is one that wants to destroy us. And I objected to that. They never answered my letter. God's name is I Am. There again in uh, uh, what, what uh, God is saying to Moses. Moses is saying, but God, I'm not eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. 
God is saying, I am. Moses is saying, but I'm not strong. God is saying, I am. But I'm not educated. God is saying, I am. But I'm not talented. God is saying, I am. But I'm not rich. God is saying, I am. Listen, if God tells you to do something, you can do it. I can do all things through him which strengthens me. He has all power. He has all knowledge. I can do all things. And so Moses said, well, well, Lord, I need some kind of a sign if I'm going to do all this. Now we're at chapter 4, our scripture reading. He said, the people will not believe me. What kind of a sign can I show them that, that you have appeared unto me? And God said, Moses, what is that in thine hand? Moses had in his hand what he called a rod. It was a shepherd's stick. It was used to prod the cattle, to move them along, whatever. They Just a plain old common shepherd's stick. God specializes in using that which is common. And he said, uh, God said, okay, throw that down on the ground. You know the story. He threw it on the ground. It turned into a serpent. And God said, okay, Moses, now pick it up by the tail. About that time, I think I'd have said, Lord, you know I'm hard of hearing. I thought you said, pick up the snake. And God said, I did. Pick up that snake by the tail. Now, I've seen people pick up snakes, but they grab them right behind the head. I would think if you picked up a snake by the tail, the thing could zip around and bite you. But God said, pick it up by the tail. And so that's exactly what Moses did. What is that in thine hand? A simple rod. But with that rod, great miracles were accomplished. What was God showing Moses? He was showing Moses, Moses, you're common like that rod. But just like if I empower that rod, it can become a snake. And if I empower that rod, it can be used to perform miracles in Egypt. If I empower that rod, it can be used to strike a rock and water will come forth. If I empower that rock, it can strike the Red Sea and it'll part and you can walk across on dry land. You see, it's not Moses that did those things. It's God's power in Moses and God's power in common things. What I'm trying to convince you of this morning is that God can use you and he wants to use you. Some of us have inferiority complexes. We don't think we can do anything. We don't think we can accomplish anything. I'm trying to tell you today that you put yourself in God's hand like that rod was empowered in the hands of Moses and God can use you to do great things. It's a matter of surrender. Give yourself to God. What is that in thine hand? Now, you have something in your hand. James 1.17 says that Whatever we have is a gift from God. You might say, but Brother Pennell, I can't do nothing. Two things wrong with that statement. First is, it's wrong to use a double negative. Second, of that, second thing is, it just ain't so. God can use you. God wants to use you. And God, God can use you. Everyone can do something. 
Now, we can't all do the same thing, and we're not all created to do the same thing. That's a wonderful thing about the body of Christ. God gave us all different gifts for different functions to be used within the body. And maybe you can't do what someone else can do, but you can do something. Matthew 25 talks about gifts, and we're not a, we are not judged on the basis of what other people get, just on the basis of what we've got and what we're going to do with what we have. What is the basis of faithfulness? Well, you remember the story that Jesus told about the servants that were given certain talents, gifts, if you please. One was given five talents. One was given two and one was given one. The master went away and he came back at a certain time to find out what they'd done with these talents that the master had left with them. The one that had five had invested them and he gained five more. The one that had two had done the same thing and uh, had, had two more. The one that had one said, well, I know that you're a hard taskmaster, and so I didn't want to lose this talent you gave me, so I just buried it. And here it is. God doesn't want us to bury our talents. He wants us to use our talents. I think that one that buried his talent must have been a Baptist. You know, in a lot of our churches, we have people that are not using the gifts that God has given to them. They bury them. Now, if God has given you a gift, and he has, you need to use that gift. And that means you shouldn't brag about the gift that you have. There should be no boasting because it's not your gift. It's his gift, his gift to you. You are what you are because God made you. You have what you have because God wants you to have it. And everything that you have came from God. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above, the Father of lights. And every person in the Bible whom God used, he had to humble somewhere along the line before he could use them. Now, we should not grumble and complain about the gift that we have. Since God placed me here, he has made me the way he wants me to be, and he placed me where he wants me to be, and everything that I have comes from God. Why should I grumble or why should I complain? We use what we have. People who've never done anything often complain about those who do something. If you're not going to do anything, don't discourage those who are doing something. Don't criticize those who are doing something. And there should be no jealousy because of gifts. No reason to be jealous of how someone else looks or what someone else might have. It's sad to see believers fighting amongst themselves sometimes. God has given each of you what he wants you to have. And so don't get jealous because God's given somebody else something he hasn't given you. And then we should just thank God for what he has given us. It's thrilling that God would want to use us. Just be thankful for that. Whatever your role is. You say, Pastor, my, the only job I have in the church is being in the nursery, changing dirty diapers. Thank God that you have that opportunity of service so that someone else can sit in the, in the ministry and, and hear the preaching of God's word. Be thankful. God can use whatever you have. What is that in thine hand? 
Oh, it's just a rod. Stuff used by shepherds. Small, seemingly insignificant thing. It's just a rod. But my friend, committed to God, that rod can become a powerful instrument. It can be used of God to bring down hail from heaven. It can be used of God to bring down fire. It can be used of God to bring forth locusts. It can be used of God, as I said, to part the Red Sea. And your gift may seem small and your gift may seem insignificant, but in God's hands, it can be mighty. Give it to God. What is that in thine hand? In the New Testament, it was a little boy and a crowd needed to be fed. What did he have in his hand? He had his lunch. Just a little bread and a few fish. But put in the hands of Jesus, it was powerful and divided and multiplied and fed 5,000 plus. In the Old Testament, there was a little widow lady that just had a little bit of oil. But put in the hands of the prophet, it was multiplied and filled up barrels of oil to keep her through a drought time. What is that in thine hand? We all have time on our hands. Most of us don't organize our time very good, and we waste a lot of time, but we have time. You ever calculate how much time you use just sitting at stoplights? Or messing around on your phone, on Facebook, or messaging? You ever calculate the amount of time that is wasted watching TV? You ever calculate all of that? You see, we all have an equal amount of time. Some people accomplish a great deal with their lives, and others just sit around home doing almost nothing. But we all have an equal amount of time. The average household in Canada watches TV seven hours a day. How long is your TV on? You know, most of that is wasted time. One life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The sad thing is we have no second chances. I'm an old man and getting older. I know that I am on the tail end of my life. My better years are behind me. I understand all that and I realize all that. But I also realize that this is the only life I have. There is no second chance as far as our lives are concerned. We only have one life. So my question is, if you died right now, what would the pastor say at your funeral? What have you accomplished with your life? I hope you've accomplished something. We all have something in our hand. We all have possessions. We all have influence. We have people in our family that we could reach for Christ. I remember way back in my early 20s when I first learned how to lead a soul to Christ, the very first person I led to Christ was my own brother. And what a great joy it was to see him get saved. He's in heaven now because he got saved 
You have people you could reach. Do you have anybody in your family you should be witnessing to, talking to? You do have family, children, some cases grandchildren, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. You also have a soul. What are you doing with that soul? Is it prepared to meet God? You also have the gospel in your hand. Are you getting that gospel out? Are you administering that gospel? Are you witnessing to people? My challenge to you today is this. You have something that God gave you. Just like Moses had that rod, as simple and uncomplicated as it was, empowered by God, great things could be accomplished with that rod. And you have something. Commit yourself. Commit what you have to God. Ask God to empower it. That's the only way to become great in the eyes of God. He made you for a reason. Find out that reason. True happiness in life is finding the will of God and doing it. I pray that you will find out what it is you have in your hand and use it for the glory of God. God did use Moses. He went back into Egypt. He delivered the children of Israel out of bondage. And uh, uh, they never went back. God used him and he can use you. He's got a purpose for your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful story in your word about how you used Moses and that simple rod. And Lord, we're not complicated people. We want to be people that is simply in your hands. And so empower us, I pray. Use the talents and gifts that you've given to us and empower us to be used of thee in a great way for these things we pray in Jesus. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.